fun. So good to see your beautiful faces this Palm Sunday. Birthdays, yes, birthdays. <laughs> so um, I have, I wanna tell you about something that we're doing, some of you know about as, as my women's Bible study, but this is part of our church because the women's Bible study uh, meets here on Tuesday. It is our Grace Bible study. One of our members at Grace Bible Study uh, is from Cameroon uh, in Africa, and her village is primarily unreached, but she was reached with the gospel as a, as a high school girl and is a beautiful, wonderful Christian. She goes back and does ministry in her uh, village. Um, well, she's gone back two times and she's looking forward to a third at some time that she's shown us um, a lot of information from the village. And uh, one of the things that we need to know about these people when we you know, are drinking water and enjoying shower, long showers and washing our cars is that this village has two wells. One is for drinking water and one is for everything else. And that is the only place they get water except the wealthy people. The wealthy people have some of their own wells but the entire village comes to those two wells. So um, uh, Sidoni, and she was with us at the Christmas Eve service, you met Sidoni, uh, was placed on her heart to see if she could figure out how to dig another, have another well put in. She got, gathered all the information from the engineers and has gathered the money to build the entire upper structure and the well container and all that. The last thing is to dig the well. And so um, she came to me, and I don't, I don't bring financial things to my, my women very often, but I did bring it to them. There was $3,500 yet to be collected so that a well could be drilled. And I want to tell you that Grace, this wonderful Grace uh, women's group and the church members that are in it have gathered together 2200 for that project. So we will, I'm sure we're going to meet that project and we will have a well drilled with, and she said she wants to put a plaque that uh, identifies that Grace, um, the Grace Yes, honey. How many people are in the village? Oh, there's like seven hundred thousand. It's huge. It's it's not it's not a village like we think of it. And the two wells, well, there's lots of information. But anyhow, it is an amazing thing that our little Grace Bible study has done. Rick. How much is the total cost of the well? It was uh, I think they've spent five thousand to the point that it is now. And then it takes another 4,000 to dig the well, and she had 500. We've added to it now, um, and so we're down to 1,600, which is amazing. 1,600 needed. Needed, yeah. But I just wanted to share with you what's going on while you're not seeing everything, because this is a tremendous blessing. Um, I'm going to be hoping to have a stand there. When she went initially, I sent with her hundreds of tracks in both English and French because those are the languages spoken. And we're going to try to have a way to have a thing to pick up a track um, at, the, at the well 
so that anyone who comes can pick up the track to tell them about the Lord. So anyhow, I wanted to bring that message to you on um, this Palm Sunday that the Lord is using this little body of his children in such a powerful way. So, and oh, one more thing. We'll have um, something, a little message going over to all 80 teachers and staff at Lehman this week. It will be accompanied by a commercially baked cookie. And a thank you for all that they do in our community. And again, it's you guys doing this. So thank you so much for all that you are doing to reach our community and the world. We have Tim Servati back to uh, bring us a message today, which we are incredibly blessed and thankful for. So with that, I'm going to pray. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we do praise and thank you. You are merciful beyond our comprehension, great and powerful and mighty, and you have set us about the work of your kingdom. So we ask you this day, come your kingdom, be done your will in this body, in this place, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. You know, it's interesting when spring is sprung and the birds are chirping. Reason to sing. The message of Easter. He is risen. He is not here. The message of Easter is the central focus of Christianity. The Apostle Paul said, If Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. It is that simple as that. If Christ is still dead, then he cannot be our Savior. For he was not the Son of God, and he died like all men. More than that, heaven's doors are still locked. But Christ is risen, as the scripture teach, and as hundreds of witnesses have testified, none of whom have ever recanted any of their testimonies despite threats and death um, despite threats and death for many of them. Then we have the ultimate hope of humanity, eternal life with God, who made us, and the certainty of life beyond the grave. What does Easter mean to you? It should mean everything, because Christ has conquered death, and that makes all the difference, now and forever. And the hope for today the cross shows that there isn't anything Christ wouldn't do for us. The tomb tells us there isn't any place he would not go for us. And the resurrection promises that there isn't anything that can separate us from him. Let's sing like those birds. All hail King Jesus. Thank you. 
This morning we're going to look at 2 Chronicles 15, 1 through 7. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Odin, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. And in those times there was no peace to the one who went out nor to the one who came in. But great turmoil was on all the inhabitants of the lands. So nation was destroyed by nation and city by city. For God troubled them with every adversity. But you be strong and do not let your hands be weak. For your work will be rewarded. I think that's the message to us to be strong. If you'll join me on your feet, we can sing. We can, I'm not going to sing it today. We're going to recite the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Ta-da! <laughs> Jesus who had blood. 
Testament reading today comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that in the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. You join us now in a responsive reading. Sovereign God, you have established your rule over the human heart. Force, but by the servant example of Jesus Christ. Move us by your spirit to join the joyful procession of those who confess Christ Jesus with their tongues and praise him with their lives. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, the gifts that you have, we should look at everything that we have as being a gift from you because you created all, therefore all belongs to you. But you have entrusted us to various things to us, to various talents, monies, whatever. And you call for whatever they are to be shared back. So Lord, as we, sh as we share our talents and our, and our gifts, May we, may we always use them in a way that glorifies your name. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And arise for the doxology. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, what an honor to be invited back. Uh, <laughs> two weeks ago, I was invited, and, and that's an honor just to come and, and deliver God's word. Uh, but to be invited back, that's a milestone, right? Or, <laughs> so, uh, but I, I, I certainly appreciate the opportunity. I will say that last week was the first time I had an opportunity to, to deliver God's word in, 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 in a preaching setting in over a year. Um, I, I was uh, in, a, in, a, in an associate pastor role, and you know, associate pastors don't get the chance to preach very often, and, uh, uh, but uh, I, I, I thank you for the opportunity to come back and uh, deliver God's word again. 
So today, uh, today starts the most sacred day in the Christian calendar, or sacred, most, most sacred week, excuse me. It's re- today is referred to as Palm Sunday, because today, nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus made his triumphal entrance into Jerusalem. He was hailed as royalty. He was hailed as a conquering king. The people loved him. They shouted out, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna is a word, it's a Greek word, but it's a transliteration uh, of, the, of a Hebrew word that means save, we pray. Matthew records their exclamations, and it says, uh, in Matthew, it says, Hosanna to, to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. One must believe that the, the saving they were referring to was not the saving of their soul from internal damnation and separation from God if one does not call on the name of Jesus, just as the, 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 the Philippians passage we just read. They were looking for a different type of saving. They were most likely implying, save us from Rome. They wanted the Roman shackles that were on them to be loosed. They wanted a king that, had, that was of, of the line and lineage of David. King Herod, as you know, was not. In a few days' time, their shouts of Hosanna would change to shouts of crucify him. How quickly we humans can flip on a dime, can we not? And make a complete 180-degree turn. We can probably look back in our own lives and see some of those, some examples of that as well. Today's message, I would like us to look at four men that I would say met the Master. They're all tied to the resurrection story. The first person I would like us to look at is Nicodemus. Nicodemus, I will call him the wise scholar. You will remember Nicodemus, we were first introduced to him in John's Gospel in the third chapter. What a wonderful chapter. Remember, Nicodemus was the uh, scholar that came to Jesus by night. Some people discount that because he was some, somehow fr- afraid to come to him by day. I, I, I reject that. I don't believe that. I believe he knew that he had his own duties to tend to during the day, and Jesus had his own responsibilities and ministry during the day. And that was the only time that, they, that I believe he had an opportunity to have an uninterrupted conversation with Jesus. But Nicodemus, and in the third chapter of, of, of John, we have the most wonderful and the most well-known verse of the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. Down through the ages, untold millions of believers have been led to follow Jesus through that very verse. I'm inclined to think that Nicodemus was one of the first, if not the first. What do we know about Nicodemus? We know he was a Pharisee. We see that in John 3, chapter 1. He was a wealthy man. We see that in the Easter story we'll talk about in a minute. He was respected, and he was a wise man. Nicodemus, we also know, was a member of the Sanhedrin. 
when, when the Sanhedrin was plotting against Jesus, it was, it was Nicodemus, a member of the Sanhedrin, that stood up. And he said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what, uh, and knows what he is doing? This was risky. He took a stand because he was challenging the conventional thought of the day. The same will happen to us if we take a stand for Jesus today. I mean really take a stand. If we speak out about the conventional thought of today, when we take a stand and say that God, in our Bible says that God created two sexes, Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. We need to be able to say as lovingly as possible to the world around us that there are but two genders. Nicodemus, if they had Facebook then, probably lost some Facebook friends. If we take a stand for Jesus, we will likely lose friends, Facebook friends, acquaintances. Because we see this in the passage in John chapter 7, verse 52. When, when he tells the Sanhedrin, when he challenges them, their answer is, are you also from, are, are you also from Galilee? They, they, were, they immediately rebuffed him and, and, and challenged his challenge. Nicodemus, as you know, has a part in the Easter story. It's, it's the last time he's mentioned in the Bible. It's on the day the Lord was crucified. After Jesus' brutal death on the cross, Joseph of Arimathea got permission from Pilate to bury the body of Jesus. He was assisted by Nicodemus, who, who brought over a, or about, is what the Bible says, about a hundred pounds of a mixture of myrrh and aloe to anoint the body of Jesus. Can you imagine Nicodemus going to the market and buying that much myrrh? That was a huge expense. That's how we know he was a wealthy man. One might say that was a, an expense worthy of a king. What do you think the merchant was thinking when he asked for that much myrrh? Do you imagine Nicodemus would have told him boldly that he was buying it for one of Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified today? If he had, of course, we, we, would all, we don't know that. But what a witness that would have been in his day. Are you bold for your stand for Christ? Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Of Christ. I'm a Jesus follower. I'm not ashamed to tell people that. But I haven't always been that way. When I was younger, when I was maybe at school, a teenager, I didn't advertise it. I didn't tell people. I wasn't a strong witness. And I think if you could look back in your life as well, you're going to see times where you weren't a strong witness either. Nicodemus was. Nicodemus met the master. From the few times we see him, in, uh, him mentioned in the Bible, we don't know for sure when he became a Jesus follower. But I am reasonably certain 
when I get to heaven, he will be there. He indeed met the master, and his life was changed. The second person I'd like to talk, us to talk about this morning is Pontius Pilate. I'll call him a weak ruler. Pilate was the fifth Roman curator of Judea, a representative of the Roman emperor to govern that region. He was a man of authority because of the emperor's authority. But without, with all that authority, he was a weak ruler. He was trying to please everyone, and we all know that doesn't work. He was trying to make the emperor happy by keeping the peace in Judea. Rome was fighting battles elsewhere. It did not want to place any more soldiers than was necessary to maintain lands that were already conquered. So every uprising and every negative report that got back to, uh, the, the, from Judea that got back to the emperor lessened the confidence that he had in Pilate. Pilate probably felt like he was a man walking across the, the, the high wire, across, say, the Niagara Falls, and trying to balance, and one wrong step would mean his certain death. The Jewish le uh, religious leaders brought Jesus to Pilate for punishment as they did not, did not have the authority to put anyone to death. The Roman, uh, Roman government alone had that authority. So we see this, if you will turn in, in your Bibles to John John's Gospel, the 18th chapter. I'd like us to look at that today. Now, each of the Gospel records this interaction between Pilate and Jesus, but I've chose John's Gospel. So, in John chapter 18, starting in verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning, but they themselves did not go into the praetorium lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be, might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium and again, uh, again called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? You, your own nation and chief, chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a, are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause have I, come, have I come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to, him, said to them, 
I find no fault in him at all. Pilate had a private meeting with Jesus. The scene is set. He's the, the Jewish religious leaders, the chief priests are there, and, and they're making the accusation. So he then goes into the praetorium, into, the, into the, uh, his area, and, and, and invites, if you will, the, not the great word, best word for it, beckons, if you will, Jesus to come in, and they had a conversation. And, through, and as a result of that conversation, he found no fault at all in Jesus. We, of course, we know that's true. Even though he'd found no fault and he wasn't wanting to convict Jesus to death. But because he was a weak ruler, he had to try to find compromises. In Luke's account, uh, when Pilate realizes in part of the conversation that Jesus is from Galilee, he decides to sidestep the issue by sending him to Herod, who had jurisdiction over Galilee. Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at that time. So Pilate probably thought, crisis averted. I don't have to make a decision because I'll let somebody else make that decision for me. When that didn't work, he tried to avoid uh, avoid condemning Jesus by offering to release him, as was the custom of of the Romans to release one prisoner during Passover. You know, you're familiar with the story. This is uh, seen as a gesture of goodwill. But even in this, he bent to the will of the crowd. The crowd, which was being guided by the religious leaders instead, insisted that they release Barabbas. Pilate, instead of releasing an innocent man, he released a hardened murderer because the, the crowds demand it. Pilate was now out of, out of options. He concedes to the demands of the crowd and orders Jesus to be crucified. The crucifixion was a manner of death that was so heinous that it was unlawful for, unlawful for a Roman citizen to be executed in that way. In the last demonstration of him trying to absolve himself, we see that Pilate tries to wash his hands with water, and he's telling the crowd, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. I'm here to tell you that all the water in the world would not, will not wash away one single sin we commit. It's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that we can get forgiveness of sins through the atoning death of Jesus on that old rugged cross. He took, their, he took their sins. He took my sins. And he took your sins on that cross. Pilate was a weak ruler. He met the master. He knew he was innocent of the charges. History tells us the Pilate was recalled by the emperor Tiberius and was banished. Tradition tells us that he committed suicide in the year 41 A.D., Likely, he was still trying to wash the blood off his hands with water. The last person I'd like us to look at today is um, Simon Peter. I love Simon Peter. He, of course, was one of the 12 disciples. He wasn't just one of the 12. 
Because as you know, within Jesus' 12 disciples, he had an inner core. He was one of the three, Peter, James, and John, that, that kind of that formed the nucleus, if you will. These three individuals, Jesus gave special attention to. He allowed them to witness his transfiguration. In the garden on the night he was, uh, he was betrayed, it was these three that he allowed to go in further and to watch and to pray. And it's also these three that would play a pivotal role in the early church. If you were here two weeks ago, you would have heard that I preached on Simon Peter. That's, I, 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 I love him as an example. But I preached on the four calling of the four disciples. We know that Peter, James, and John and, his, and, his, and Peter's brother Andrew were those four. They were fishermen, and they were called to a life of being a fisher of men. A few years ago, I was teaching a Sunday school class, and I, I opened the Sunday school class by handing out slips of paper. And I asked them to write down on that paper who their favorite disciple was of the 12. All right. Thankfully, I didn't get anyone said Judas Iscariot. All right. Um, do you want to guess? Obviously, John was close. John was second. Simon Peter. And I think that is because he's very relatable. He's relatable to us because Simon Peter experienced highs and lows, successes and failures, and it's all recorded. I call Simon Peter, and at least at this point in his life, the wavering disciple. The wavering disciple. We know the story, but you know, Simon Peter throughout, every, almost every time he's mentioned in the Bible, not every time, definitely, uh, at least in his early, he kind of opens mouth, inserts foot, right? I'm sure we never do that. But he was a rash person. He acted sometimes before he thought. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is telling his disciples of what is to come, come to pass. His arrest, his mock trial, his death, and his resurrection. And it's Peter that rebukes Jesus. And he says, far be it from you, Lord, that this should happen to you. And Jesus' response was, get behind me, Satan. Peter, on the night that, he was, uh, that Jesus was to be betrayed, told Jesus that he was prepared to go with him, even if it meant prison or death. But Jesus' response to him was, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. We know in a matter of a couple hours, he was approached by three different individuals, groups of individuals, and he denied Jesus each time. One of those was a young servant girl. But only a few hours earlier, he was the bravado that he was willing to fight and to die or to go to prison. Peter was truly a man that had, the high, had highs and lows. After all, he walked on water with Jesus. But in this moment, on the evening that Jesus was arrested, after he denied Christ, he was a broken man. Luke twenty-two sixty-two records that 
uh, after he denied Jesus the third time and he heard the rooster crow, he went out and wet, uh, wept bitterly. He was a broken man because he failed his Lord. The, uh, this is how a victorious Christian goes from a victorious Christian to a defeated Christian. A defeated Christian does not share the gospel with their neighbors. A defeated Christian does not want to be around other believers, so they withdraw from the fellowship because of a sense of guilt and shame. Have we ever let Jesus down? Maybe you denied being a Christian among your coworkers. I know I didn't advertise it, like I said, when I was in a teenager. I was trying to fit in. Maybe there's some public sin in your life that causes you to withdraw from other Christians. This is exactly Satan's plan. But praise God, there is restoration. I'd like you to turn with me into 1 Corinthians chapter five, or chapter 15, excuse me. There's a wonderful little verse there that's often overlooked. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5. I'll actually start reading in verse 3 to give it a little bit of context. So 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 3. This is Paul, Paul writing. Uh, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died, according, uh, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture, and that he was seen by Cephas, Cephas is another name for Peter, then by the twelve. Like I said, that is an often overlooked verse, but he was seen by Peter. Sometime between Peter arriving at the empty tomb in the morning and the disciples being gathered on that same evening, Jesus appeared to Peter. We know it from this reference. There's a few other references. There's no record of what was said in that meeting. Jesus privately met with Peter Peter had publicly denied him, but Jesus met one-on-one with him. I believe it was to pick him up, dust him off, and recommission him for greater things. Peter not only met the master, but he failed the master. But Jesus was able to restore him. You know what? Jesus is still in the restoration business 2,000 years later. Will you pray with me? Most precious Heavenly Father, just thank you for this season of Easter resurrection that we're able to pause, to reflect on the sacrifice of your Son. May we never become routine for us that we Just treat it as another holiday. You loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us and to be resurrected on the third day when we were not deserving of it. 
None of us are. None of us were. None of us are. But you did anyway. So thank you for that. Thank you for your son, Jesus. It says, in his name I pray. I would ask if you would please remain in an attitude of prayer with your eyes closed and your heads bowed. I would be remiss if I didn't ask a question. Talked about three men that met the master. If you could imagine, try to imagine we are just having a conversation one-on-one. I'd like to ask you, have you met the master? I mean truly met the master. Have you called on him to be your Lord and your Savior? I'm not asking how many, if you know about Jesus or how many verses you have memorized in your lifetime. I was raised, I was raised by a, I was born into a family. My father was a Baptist pastor. My mo- mother was a devout pastor's wife. From the age of about a week old, until 18, I went to church three times a week. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening. I thank God for my parents, godly parents. But at the age of 10, I had to make a decision because I realized that I was a sinner bound for hell. And I asked Jesus to be my Savior. That's when I met the Master. I pray in this room that every one of you have met the Master and accepted Him as your Lord and your Savior. If that hasn't taken place, there's no better time than the day to do that. Heavenly Father, as I close, just you know the condition of every person here. You know whether they're adopted into your family. Praise Jesus for that adoption. We are no longer strangers, but we are brought close to you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
thank you for the message today. The reminder that these stories, what we read about Jesus, what we hear about him, that they're true. That there were other people too that were in part part of his life. And each one filled different roles that had to be there for your plan to come to fruition. So, Lord, as we, as we uh, celebrate and our, uh, this week the resurrection of our Lord, may we always remember the suffering and what he did and what he gave for us. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God be with us till we Peace.